Hi, I'm George Tekmachev. Welcome back to the Eastern Target Archery Podcast and our special guest, Tom Dillon, fresh back from the Asian Championship in Bangladesh. Tom, how are you doing? Uh, fine, George. Pleasure to be with you again. Yeah, it's great to have you back. And um, we've got a lot to talk about today uh, from what happened at the Asian Championship and some of the continuing trends that we're seeing with Korea. On to the indoor season. We've got some great news about the Paralympic Games coming up in Paris, particularly if you're a female Paralympian. And we've got some news regarding other other things going on. A big preview, of course, uh, for the indoor season coming up. Very excited about that. So lots to talk about. Let's let's get to it. First off, uh, Asian Federation held its championship. And you were there, Tom. Uh, huge event, um, considering the fact that there's still a lot of restrictions in that part of the world. 17 countries were able to attend. And um, we did see the continuing domination of Korea, didn't we? Well, yes, I would say it was definitely also made possible due to the, I would say, the, the fact that several of the, what I would say most people would see the top nations in, in uh, Asia were absent due to uh, direct or indirect COVID restrictions. Uh, when I mean indirect, it's that for certain countries, it was simply impossible to find reasonable flights to go to Dhaka because uh, there was no uh, direct or uh, flights with a correspondence that made sense. You, you, some, some of them nearly would have to fly to Europe to get to Dhaka, and, and uh, that, that was definitely not an option for some of them. Yeah, so, like Japan, um, for example, as an example, um, you know, countries like Japan, countries yeah. uh, like that uh, didn't have direct flights available. So, yeah, as you say, it would have been a quite the odyssey to try to get there. And we saw we, we saw Japan is one. The other one was China, Chinese Taipei, Malaysia. Uh, so you, you, you're looking quickly at countries that, that could be, I would say, uh, putting some uh, challenge to, to, to Korea. Uh, now, India and Bangladesh put up a good fight, for sure. Um, and uh, I would say uh, there was, um, uh, for sure, there were some, some, some matches that were very close. But, uh, but having said that, well, uh, nearly all of the gold medals were won by Korea. Yeah, all but one. And that one was won by Jothi Venom of India, who has been consistently a great shooter, first shooter to shoot a perfect uh, match in live television at a world championship. Uh, we saw that in Yankton. And uh, she's continuing her uh, very good performances, but not without a little drama in this particular gold medal match. Now, you can see the match, uh, listeners, by going to uh, YouTube and looking up Asian Archery Federation finals, or, or World Archery Asia, excuse me, finals, uh, and, and watch that match. And it's interesting because uh, it came down to the last arrow in a big way. Absolutely. It was very close and okay. The judge call was made and uh, there was some discussion uh, apparently, but uh, the end result was that one of the arrows from the Korean uh, was downgraded from a 10 to a 9, and that resulted in a win for Venom. Yeah, so, you know, yeah, so a big win for uh, the archer from India. Other than that, Korean sweep in the gold medals. 
for the compound men, um, it was Kim Jong-ho beating uh, Abhishek Virma, another great archer from India. And then Sergei Krishis, who's been a consistently high-performance shooter from Kazakhstan, took the bronze. Uh, Jothi Venom did defeat Oh Yu Hyun of Korea. And it was Kim Yoon-hee of Korea, who we've seen around before, uh, taking the bronze there. For the men's teams, sweep for Korea uh, on the gold medal. They beat Kazakhstan. India took the bronze in the, uh, in the compound men. For the compound women's teams, Korea, uh, again, in the gold medal podium step, uh, Kim Yoon-hee and uh, Oh Yu Hyun and Song Yun-soo. So a few experienced Korean women um, on top of that podium step against the Islamic Republic of Iran, which had uh, a number of shooters that we haven't seen um, at too many world archery events. The bronze went to Kazakhstan for the compound women's teams. Uh, Diana Makarchuk, who we've seen in a few WA events, was one of the members of, of the Kazakhstan team. For the compound mixed teams, again, Korea, uh, Kim Yun-hee and Choi Yong-hee. Uh, and Jyothi Venom of India uh, and uh, Rishab Yadav of India uh, joined up for the silver medal. We saw Gisa Baibordi of Iran and Amir Kazimpur, who we've seen in many WA events, for the bronze medal in the mixed teams. Now, the recurves. Uh, Tom, what's your assessment of Korea? They're showing their depth here, in my opinion. We've got some people basically making international debuts and winning mm -hmm. gold on the Korean men's team for the recurves. Uh, def definitely, uh, we, saw, we saw some depth. We saw some new faces uh, or some return of some people we haven't seen for some time. Uh, it's clear that there is depth and, and there is... Uh, uh, they gave an opportunity to some of them to come there that uh, wouldn't have been there if, if if it wouldn't have been the I would say the team that was at the World Champs or the Olympics. Uh, but but okay, the, the selections in, in Korea are brutal. We all know they. It doesn't matter if you are a, a multi medalist at several Olympic Games. If you don't get in the cut uh, the sixteen, you're out. If you don't get in the one of the eight afterwards, uh, you're out. And it's 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 a very clear uh, and, and transparent system, but uh, yeah, you have to be there when, when the selections take place. Yeah, and we've seen that before. I mean, we've seen Olympic champions not come back for world championships. We've seen um, world champions not make it to Olympic teams. And, you know, it, it, brutal is a good word because it is. It's, it is absolutely the most high pressure. You know, we used to say in the United States, Tom, at least among the recurve men, that making an American Olympic team back in the days of Rick McKinney and, and Daryl Pace, uh, that was harder than winning the Olympic games. You know, you'll, you'll hear that from somebody like Jay Bars. That is certainly the reality today for Korea in a lot of ways. Uh, maybe not to make that comparison to winning the Olympic games, because that's a whole different ball game these days, but boy, it's, it's such a high pressure thing to try to make that team when you consider the depth of talent. And we did see the return of Lee Sung Yun to uh, international competition, joined by Han Wu Tak and Lee Wu Siok. Uh, we have seen Mr. Lee somewhere before. I'm, I can't remember exactly where, but he's not new completely. But they did take the, the recurve men's medals. The recurve women's medals went to uh, two newcomers, shall we say, and one veteran, Jung Da So Mi of Korea, uh, along with uh, Ryu Su Jung. I have seen Miss Ryu somewhere 
and limb. She's actually the world's record holder indoor, 18 meters. So most people know it, but she is. Yeah, we actually saw her in Vegas, now that I think about it. And, yeah, and, uh, and she was, I must say, she, when, when the, the ranking round was taking place, she was uh, quite some time on, on, on track for, for beating the world record. But in the end, uh, she couldn't keep up her momentum, but uh, could have been an interesting uh, world record there as well. Yeah, Korea beat India in the men's recurve team final. Uh, bronze medal went to Bangladesh, so that was good news for the continuing efforts of Bangladesh. A um, couple of veterans on the Bangladesh team. Um, I think that uh, that Martin, our, our friend coach Martin Fredrickson, is continuing to develop that program. It seems to me that it is going very successfully uh, when you consider what they're up against in Asia. Absolutely. I think uh, Martin and, and the entire Bangladesh, I would say, uh, structure is doing a very good job. Uh, I, I was following one match uh, between uh, Ruman, which we all know from from the Boston, is, is bronze medal against one of his teammates, and and I think the average of the match was twenty nine something uh, per set, and and it was one one set where Ruman shot only twenty nine, and his teammate shot thirty. That that decided who went on to the quarterfinals, which was amazing uh, shooting. Uh, and uh, it shows uh, the work that has been done in Bangladesh uh, by Martin, and um, and they, they they are definitely uh, on the way uh, to be the the, the force uh, to 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 challenge Korea in the Asian Games next year. Yeah, I agree. We saw a gold medal for Team Korea in the recurve women, uh, and not the same team that we talked about in the. Uh, some of the members were different than what we saw in the uh, individual um, in terms of the achievements of some of these shooters. Of course, Miss Ryu was back on that and uh, Oh Yi Jin along with Lim Hai Jin for the recurve women's team from Korea. They beat India and uh, some new shooters for India too, Tom. So it looks like there's. Yes. Uh, yes the, the Indians definitely uh, are, are trying out some, some new archers and, and they, they have uh, quite a, big plan in place for next year. Again, of course, the Asian Games are critical for every one of them. And uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see new faces in India, I'm sure. Yes. Yeah. Bangladesh had a team of veterans. We had uh, Miss Actor, Miss Ray, and Miss Sadiq. We've seen them all before at major events. And so Bangladesh taking the bronze. For the mixed teams, again, Korea. And that was the team of uh, Ryu, Sujung, and Lee Sang-yun. So two experienced shooters for Korea taking the gold over Bangladesh, so a great achievement for Bangladesh taking the silver, and India taking the bronze for the mixed teams. So, uh, yeah, it was it was an interesting uh, situation because okay, first of all, it was uh, the first ever medal for a mixed team in, in uh, for the Bangladesh uh, delegation at the Asian Championships, and and then uh, it was uh, they got there by winning a, a shootoff against India in the semis. Uh, which was kind of a, a small revenge because in the men's recurve team they had lost in a shoot-off with the 10 closest to center uh, for India uh, for the India men's recurve team against the Bangladesh uh, recurve team. So it was a, a little bit of a revenge uh, that semi-final that they won the mixed team uh, in the shoot-off. Along with this Asian Championship, there was a World Archery Asia Congress, and we saw 
the re-election of some people who've been extremely influential in Asian archery, and the retirement of some people who've had a huge impact on our sport, not just at the Asian level, but in the world level in the past, uh, I'd say, 20 years. And so um, talk about that a little bit. Um, the group chairman of the Hyundai Motor Group, Mr. Chung Yusun, has been appointed as head of WAA uh, for the fifth time now. And uh, so that continues the stability at the top, shall we say. Hyundai, of course, a huge supporter, uh, not just of the Korean team and the Korean Archery Association, but also world archery. Um, speak to that a bit if you can, Tom, because I think the, the importance of this can't be underestimated, that somebody with this much corporate leverage being a supporter of our sport is a big deal. It's clear that, that uh, the Chung family, I would say, has been a great supporter of our sport since many, many years. Uh, now, um, it's, it is also uh, clear that um, well, the family really supports, first of all, Korean archers. Uh, and then uh, they are also a big supporter of World Archery Asia and then World Archery. But I also want to make it clear is that uh, uh, for what concerns World Archery, because I can't speak for World Archery Asia. Um, the, this is not just a, um, a donation and a nice to do. Uh, we, uh, we have to produce every year an extensive report on the number of uh, hours shown on television, the impact uh, of the brand uh, to television uh, distribution, and so on and so on. So it is, uh, uh, this is not just because uh, the president of uh, the Korean Association and the Asian Federation likes the sport. It's also a matter of, I would say, return of investment uh, as such. Yeah, and that's an important point because as we in the sport continue to try to develop what we'd call non-endemic sponsors, because Hyundai doesn't sell archery equipment after all, we need to be able to show that kind of return on investment to anybody in or out of the sport from the standpoint of uh, providing us with that kind of support. So a sponsor like Hyundai is doing it for business reasons, just as much as for the, you know, maybe the personal interest in the sport. And the same can be said of many of the other supporters of WA or here in the United States, the USA Archery Association, um, you know, anywhere these days, you're not going to get that kind of support without being able to show some ROI. So, uh, yeah, and, and, you know. and going, going further on that, and okay, we don't have all figures yet, but one of the figures that we have received and, and that I can share with uh, the listeners on, on online is uh, that uh, in the Olympic Games, okay, there was a success, of course, on the field of play for Korea, but uh, to give you some idea, uh, the uh, figures of uh, people following our sport during the Olympic Games in Korea have shown that 57.57% of the Korean population watched archery during the Olympic Games. So for a brand as Hyundai, uh, being associated with a sport where a majority of the population is following it during the Olympic Games is not a bad deal. That is a huge deal. Uh, that's, that's actually an amazing figure. And one that bodes well as we move uh, into the cycle for Paris. And speaking of Paris, well, before we go to that, 
um, let's acknowledge a couple of other things that came out of uh, what happened at this uh, event, uh, the Congress. And that is um, <clears throat> the retirement of a couple of people who've had a huge impact on our sport. Uh, one of them is Gobey. Now, I first met Gobey probably 2006, 2007, in the run-up to the Beijing Olympic Games. And she had an uh, important role in organizing archery in China, but also at the Asian Federation level and at the world archery level. And she will probably continue uh, on some level to, to uh, contribute to our sport, but she is officially retired from the executive board at World Archery Asia after many years, uh, decades really, of uh, service. Yeah, Gobei is, 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 is still a, a very important figure in, in Asia uh, for what our sport concerns. She is uh, uh, still involved very much with uh, what we do with the World Cup in uh, Shanghai. She's a member of our electoral board, so the, the body that oversees our elections. And, uh, but she has retired in, in Wolachi Asia, which is, I think, uh, I would say sad for Wolachi Asia uh, because uh, she was one of the key persons behind the development committee of Wolachi Asia, which has done tremendous work over the last few years. And uh, yeah, but she, she's still very much passionate about the sport and uh, she's, uh, she's very much involved also with seeing how uh, the sport can further develop, especially at recreational level in China. Along with the retirement of Gobei from the uh, World Archery Asia Board, we have the retirement of Kotaro Hata from Japan, who has been for decades one of the leaders in Asian archery and in archery in Japan. And Mr. Hata will continue to serve World Archery as a member of the executive board, but he's retiring as treasurer. Um, any thoughts there, Tom? Yeah, well, Hata-san, which I think is a familiar face to many of you as well, uh, is, has retired as, as treasurer. He, he will also, um, if things go uh, as, uh, as I would say, scheduled, also retire in, in Wolachi in 2023, uh, unless he wants to obtain another type of position, because we have Evil Archery, as of 23, term limitations, so he cannot stay as executive board member in World Archery. Uh, he would need to take another position uh, as such. But uh, as far as I understand, he will also retire in 2023 in Evil Archery. But uh, Kotarahato has been uh, an important, uh, I would say, um, uh, pillar of, of Asian archery and uh, as... Uh, treasurer and also helping uh, people grow sports in, in, in that part of the world. Yeah. And that goes back past 1984, um, you know, with his involvement at the at the Los Angeles Olympic games, It'd be a nice, it would be a nice circle if he, uh, if he wraps things up at the Los Angeles games in uh, 2028. So uh, just a, a brilliant career in the sport as somebody behind the scenes uh, making things happen. And uh uh, certainly wish him the best in terms of uh, his involvement as he continues to be involved in archery in Japan. And we are very happy to see uh, the appointment of Maki, who was the uh, part of the, the successful uh, team running the Tokyo Olympics. Uh, so uh, it's good to see Maki taking on the role of treasurer. And uh, on top of it, it's good to see the percentage of women increasing in the executive board uh, of World Archery Asia. 
Yeah, Maki Nakano, the sort of right-hand woman of uh, Ms. Okura, who uh, was the person who was in charge of the Tokyo archery uh, portion of the Olympic Games. And I think that we'll continue to see great things from Japan with people like Maki, uh, you know, continuing to do great things in our sport. It's important that we have this sort of continuity because these people have the experience and the know-how to get things done. And it's been demonstrated. So good, good stuff as, as uh, archery in Asia continues to move forward. Okay, now shifting gears, uh, talking about Paris a little bit. There's been some news about um, team events for the Paralympic Games uh, in the past. We've seen a test of doubles um, to replace the team events in para-archery competition. And, you know, the idea was that um, we'd have a two-athlete doubles event. Uh, so you'd have individuals, mixed teams, and doubles at the World Archery Para-Championship. But this will not affect the Paralympic Games. That's my understanding. And, and we, I guess, to clarify... Paris 2024 will be very similar to Tokyo 2020 in terms of the, the schedule and how things are conducted. Is that right, Tom? Absolutely. The program is, is the same. Uh, the only difference is we will have a little bit more quotas for women. And this is part of our uh, project to have by Los Angeles uh, Paralympic Games a fully uh, gender uh equal number of quotas as we have in the Olympics since we have a quota system in 96. The reason we couldn't do it yet in Paris is that we do not want to, I would say, uh, put uh, in the balance the quality uh, of the uh, competitors. We want to make sure that they all have the minimum qualification standard, which we could not yet guarantee for Paris. Uh, we are convinced that thanks to the hard work of the para committee and the member associations and the national paralympic committees that by la we will be there uh, and that is really uh, our uh, our goal and that's also one of the reasons behind the change to the two men uh, or two women uh, team because that uh, we already see with the entries uh, for the world para championships in dubai in february that the number of women as a result of that change has increased and especially the number of team competitions we can have in uh, Dubai uh, for the first time in a long time, uh, the W1s will have a team competition in women, which we as my memory, uh, and okay, maybe I'm wrong because I don't know all the results of all para competitions, but I think it's the first time we will have an official W1 women competition for teams. Now at the Tokyo Paralympics, 80 of the 140 athletes were men, 60 were women. So again, the goal is by 2028, Los Angeles Games be at 50-50. And it seems like with this doubles event more accessible for everybody across the categories, male and female, uh, hopefully we'll see national para-archery governing bodies do more to invest in this. Uh, and try to, uh, you know, create an atmosphere of uh, inclusivity so that we have even greater gender equality going into both Paris and Los Angeles. We'll see how the trends go by the time Paris comes around, and, and that gives time to maneuver and, and make things happen for Los Angeles. So positive change there. 
And uh, I believe that was done as a bylaw change, right, Tom? That's one of the things that the executive board was able to do? Yes, absolutely, because that's uh, prerogative of the executive board, yes. There's a few other things that have been uh, changed by the executive board, um, including the change of the standard shooting times to 20 seconds per arrow uh, or 30 seconds for qualification. Um, any any uh, idea, Tom, as to whether that's going to be adjusted um, with that schedule to come into effect on January 15th? Has that been further discussed? Um, yeah. I, I, can, I can tell today that the current situation is that um, the, the rule will come into effect on the 1st of March. Now, uh, that is the situation today. Now, we have one of our member associations having put forward a bylaw to go back to the system that was in place uh, uh, before the decision was taken in September. Uh, and that will be discussed at the board meeting on the 5th of December. Um, my crystal ball is as good as your crystal ball. Uh, I don't know what the decision will be of the executive uh, board. I will be able to tell you on the 6th of December. Well, we'll get back together then to discuss it because, uh, well, that takes care of one issue, which is would it happen in the middle of Neem? You know, that was the question because the, the, original start date would have put it so that you'd shoot one way one day at Neem and a different way the different the second day at Neem. This way that takes care of that. Neem will be consistent. Bruce has already said that nothing's going to happen in Vegas. So that falls after Vegas, presuming that they, you know, when they have their meeting on the 5th of December, we'll see what happens further to that. And uh, probably a few other things will be coming up there. So we'll we'll get back together right after that and, and discuss those things. Indoor season, by the way, is well underway. And WA this year, once again, has uh, a way for member associations to register every registered tournament, indoor tournament, as part of the Indoor World Series. How's that been going? Uh, at the moment, it's, it's, it's a slow start, I would say, because it's, it's perhaps not yet known enough. Uh, we have... Uh, I'm looking at the list. The list is available on our website. Uh, if you go into the, the section on indoor, you can find the, the tournaments that have registered for um, the um, Indoor World Open Series. And uh, we've had uh, so far um, three events, one in Iceland, one in Lausanne in Switzerland last week, one in Norway, and then we have uh, the weekend coming up, uh, one again in Iceland and one in Switzerland, one in Slovenia and one in Sweden, UK and the Netherlands. So it's starting to build up and we will publish once every month the, the results when they are uh, received on time. Uh, and uh, so it's, it is... Um, um, starting to build up, but we, we expect it to take uh, probably uh, a few more weeks to have more events being added. So it's only tournaments that are registered uh, on the international calendar, um, but that can be a pure national event as such. We have, for instance, the Lowlands series, which is quite known in the Netherlands, that has registered all their events. 
The indoor events taking place at the World Archery Excellence Center have all registered. I think you understand that someone pushed in that direction very hard. I can hard. only imagine. <laughs> there is the, the Berlin Open, uh, that uh, is a typical tournament that, that takes place every year that will also be part of it. So, um, yeah, it's coming. Of course, the big events that uh, will showcase this year's World Indoor Series will be the Nîmes Archery Tournament starting on the 21st through the 23rd of January. And then the big finale, the Vegas Shoot, the $54,000 uh, first place for the Open Compounds, uh, 4th through 6th of February. And all of those things are going to be uh, hopefully taking place as scheduled without any undue restrictions um, as things continue to develop across Europe and across the world. We'll, of course, keep an eye on those things. But right now, as things stand, um, it looks like uh, something like 75% of the rooms have already been reserved for the Vegas shoot, Tom. So you better get your, uh, better get your registration in. Yeah, yeah, uh, I better get my practice going in as well before I start registering for it. But uh, no, all jokes apart, yes, I think that people want to, to do events. It's it's interesting is that, okay, it's clear that most countries have restrictions on on, on that you need to, to show that you're vaccinated or, or have been tested negative and so on to participate in events. But what I'm hearing is that in, in several countries, the, the eagerness to register for events is, is enormous and that uh, the moment they open an hour later it's full and, and I think uh, this is something that we are seeing because people want to compete they want to meet especially uh, in the indoor event we had in the Lausanne uh, excellent center last week uh, clearly people were so happy to see each other and, and to ah oh, how is things going and we haven't seen you for a time and so on and so on so the, the family aspect of, of the whole uh, archery scene is, is definitely uh, being put back in place, and, and uh, we, we we see uh, that people are really enjoying to compete. Now, uh, it means you will still have restrictions in place. Uh, there is sanitary passes or things like that. Uh, that's how it is because I um, one of the things uh, I, I announced in the tournament said, okay, please all ensure that we respect the social distancing measures and so on and so on, because. We want to keep on having tournaments this winter. We better respect the rules because otherwise we'll end up with the same mess we were in last year. Yeah, nobody wants that. That's for sure. Well, as things continue to go forward, Tom, we will uh, catch up with you again after the executive board meeting that takes place on December 5th. Those people who are worried about having to shoot an arrow in 30 seconds are going to have a... Uh, a uh, bit of news after that, potentially. We'll see what happens. As you said, your crystal ball and mine are equally cloudy, perhaps. I, I'll bet yours is just a bit clearer. But uh, with that said... I, I have we'll, my idea what will happen, but who knows? I do too, but we, we're not going to go there until after it actually happens. We'll see what happens then. Well, Tom, I want to thank you. And I want to wish you the best as the uh, holidays are coming around uh, here in the United States. This week is our, our Thanksgiving holiday. And uh, a lot of folks are, are taking time off to be with their families. And uh, the same cycle will start in Europe pretty soon. I hope that you have a chance to get some rest after all your travels. And uh, we look forward to talking to you again soon. Absolutely, George. All the best and uh, happy Thanksgiving to, to anyone listening.